0: for
1: Raising the Bar, RVA's Law Talk Radio Show. Good morning, and welcome to the debut of Raising the Bar, the Law Talk Radio Show. This is attorney Colleen Quinn of the law firm of Locke & Quinn, and I'm proud to be the producer and program coordinator of today's show. Locke & Quinn is a personal injury and family law firm located near Willow Lawn in Richmond, Virginia. In fact, we're right next to the Chipotle, so you can come get your beefy burrito and your legal services all at the same time. We are really excited to start this program. Raising the Bar legal talk radio show brings an exciting and varied array of legal topics to listeners throughout Central Virginia. At least once per week on Wednesdays morning at 9 a.m., we'll endeavor to share different areas of the law. The law touches nearly every aspect of daily life, and this show brings both humorous and entertaining stories, along with helpful tips, including tips on access to legal services, something that not everyone can afford. If you would like to hear about a certain legal topic or area of the law, please email me, Colleen Quinn, at lock that's L-O-C-K-E, quinn.com. So it's quinn at and we will look into featuring that topic on the show. The call-in number for today's show is 804-454-1366. Again, that's 804-454-1366. Please feel free to call in with any questions you might have about the show today. Today's show will be about an inside view into what it is like to be a client in a personal injury case. This includes all the way from the surprise of actually being in the accident, enduring the injury, to what it is like to select an attorney and work with an attorney and how that case proceeds along i am really pleased to have joining with me this morning my client lisa walker of believe fitness good morning lisa good morning Colleen. lisa can you tell us what you do
2: at believe fitness um, i'm the owner and certified personal trainer of believe fitness Uh, located at 1129 Gaskins Road, Richmond, Virginia.
1: Great. And what do you do there? What do you specialize in?
2: Um, I specialize in basically life-changing fitness, nutrition, uh, daily lifestyle um, programs that um, are individualized to personal goals and fitness needs of all the clients that I have. So you serve a really good purpose. I try to, yes. (laughs)
1: Thank you. (laughs) And Lisa, you and I have worked together for a good long time now. Um, right. Can you, can you tell our listeners um, how your accident, uh, how your injury happened?
2: Uh, we were, uh, our family was having lunch um, on a Sunday afternoon at a restaurant that we frequented often. Um, our uh, middle daughter was getting ready to go back to college, so we wanted to sort of get together before she left. And we were just sitting there talking, and a bus uh, person was coming by with a tray full of dishes. And as I was just sitting there the bus tray caught at my elbow and pulled my arm completely behind me. And at that moment, I knew something was wrong because the amount of pain that just radiated from my fingers all the way up to my neck, so... And this was a pretty full bus pan. Very full, yeah. Overflowing with dishes, um, and she was moving at a very um, quick pace. Well, in fact, through
1: discovery, um, we eventually learned that in her statement, she said that she was moving wicked fast.
2: That's right, wicked fast, which whatever that means, but she was moving at a very fast pace. Right, and this basically yanked your arm and shoulder right back. That's correct, and uh, at that point um, later, By seeing the doctor, I found out that I actually had a labrum tear because of that. Wow. Um, For a fitness instructor,
1: somebody running a fitness business, clearly this was a pretty big injury. It was.
2: It was. It was um, sort of stopped me in my tracks. Um, And through, um, you know, just the initial part of seeing a doctor trying physical therapy and then also still trying to run a business was quite a challenge.
1: And then um you mentioned the physical therapy uh tell us a little bit more about your injury did you end up having to have surgery or I what did. happened
2: Yeah I we uh I saw Dr Higgs um and he thought that we should try physical um, the um you know the physical therapy first so we did that um for about a month and my arm my shoulder actually got worse and so we were at the option of, really the only option is to do surgery um, after the MRI um, showed um, some more damage than what he initially thought. And so I had the, a surgery. Um, I ended up having what they called a shoulder resurfacing, which is more for, it's a newer technique that's out there that is for younger people. Um, instead of replacing the joint, they can resurface it, which um, is the recovery should be a lot faster. Gotcha.
1: Um, and from having done uh, personal injury cases for 30 years, first 10 years on the defense side, and then the other 20 on the plaintiff side, um, that is a pretty common thing for doctors to go ahead and put you in physical therapy and do kind of more conservative treatment right. first. Right. Um, but it, from your physical therapy, you weren't getting any relief, and in fact, you were just feeling more... More and more sharp pain. Correct. Yeah, so it was clear there was something wrong, which was that labrum tear. Right, Yeah. exactly. Now, in your particular case, you actually didn't have just one surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners
2: what happened? Well, I went in for the first surgery, um, you know, uh, understanding sort of what Dr. Hicks was going to do, thought I had my head wrapped around it. Um, and when I went back for my 10 day check up after the surgery, it seemed that, um, one of the, uh, tendons that they had to take off in order to get to my shoulder blade had, um, decided to come back off the bone. And so I had to have emergency surgery the next morning to go back in there and redo it and fix it and make it a little bit tighter and, uh, make sure it wasn't going to come back off that bone again. Okay. So, yeah, another round of you know 10 days in that sling don't move it
1: and so you've got some pretty heavy duty hardware in your shoulder
2: yes very tight hardware in my shoulder <laughs> okay
1: so how long did it take you to basically work to get back to a point where you could at least do some of the things that you had done prior to the injury
2: you know I think it's still a daily struggle honestly I think that um within about six to eight months, I was starting to feel more like myself after the surgery. Um, And being in business for yourself, you really, you know, if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. So I had to sort of, um, you know, try my best to pull it together every day and go to work. I took two weeks off um, from work. And thankfully, my clients were, um, you know, stayed in there with me and supported me through that time. And, um, you know, just trying to get back, just for simple things reaching for a cup of water or getting the salt and pepper shaker out of the cabinet simple things like that that you take for granted it really took a lot longer than i ever imagined yeah
1: so at some point in this whole process you realized that you might need to consult an attorney right yes okay and at what point did that happen and what did you do
2: it was probably about four to six weeks into it um, i had spoken with the insurance company of this restaurant um, over a dozen times and it got to the point every time i would call they just wanted to say oh this is not our fault this is not our problem we can't help that you've missed work you know we this is not our fault this is not our fault and i was like all i'm asking for is for you to take care of the co-pays on my medical and and then just compensate me for the time i've missed from work which i didn't feel was unreasonable at all no not at all um and they just kept resisting and so i finally said you're you're going to make me have to find an attorney to solve this because you're not helping me at all. And you're really making it difficult. And so at that point, that's when I started to do some research on attorneys here in Richmond.
1: Had you ever needed to hire an attorney before? Not
2: personally, no. Okay.
1: So this was something new and different. How do I go about finding a personal injury attorney to help me with this? Right. Right.
2: Exactly. So it was, it was quite, um, it was definitely a different experience and, um, Kind of eye-opening, actually.
1: Right. And you see all these ads, billboards and TV ads and other things for personal injury lawyers. So there are a lot out there. But then trying to figure out who's who can I trust, who is going to take care of me right. is a difficult process. It is.
2: And honestly, um, once I had gotten through the research part, I almost want to say, okay, on this commercial or on this billboard or <laughs> there needs to be a disclaimer that says, uh, yeah, they don't call you back or they don't respond to your emails because... Uh, two of the people that I researched, one of them I called twice, never got a phone call back. One of them, um, I, you didn't make a phone call. You had to fill out an information sheet on the computer. Did it two separate times, never got a response.
1: And that, unfortunately, is one of the biggest complaints about lawyers um, is that is- returning phone calls mm-hmm. and being careful. So we, at Lock and Quinn, we have a 24 hour rule that you have to get back to everybody, at, l- at least hopefully same day, right. but at least within the 24 hours. Mm. Um, cause you're in a position where you're you're needing some help and you want some guidance. Right. Um, and
2: that's what lawyers are supposed to be there for. Right, yeah, cause I definitely was at a point when the insurance company didn't want to work with me. Um, I was definitely feeling lost. Like, you know, I've not ever had to experience this. I've never gone through it. So what do I do next? What's the next steps? Right. So how did you find me? <laughs> well, I did some research. So um, being a woman was important to me. That was, um, I just feel like women relate better to women as far as um, sort of how we go through life, how we um, attack our life as far as um, being business owners ourselves and promoting ourselves and wanting to be the best that we can be. And um Also, I looked at your resume, Um, you know, the education part was important to me because I definitely wanted you to have the education background, but I think more importantly, it was the emotional intelligence. Um, And I think a lot of people nowadays really look more at the emotional intelligence because you've got to be able to connect with the person. You've got to be able to have the empathy and you've got to be able to show that from the first phone call or the first contact that you have with that person. And um, so for me, I interviewed about six um, attorneys, wow, men and women, I, both. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I, I <laughs> yeah. made the cut. You made the cut. <laughs> and um, so, you know, and I just, you know, before I would meet with people, I would just, you know, kind of have a little prayer about, you know, just show me that if this is the right one. Then it will, I will know it while I'm sitting there and that there'll be a connection and there'll be that emotional part there that I can feel that I can trust that person. that there, And it's not just the person, but it's the team. So I watched how you interacted with Katie and how Katie interacted with you. And I realized that it wasn't just an employee and employer type of a relationship. It was more of a team. And that for me was, was crucial because I think in a, in a personal injury case, you can't have just one person fighting for you. You really need a team behind you.
1: And and it really is a team. I'm glad you you mentioned that. We've got Katie Obermiller, um, my paralegal, with us today mm-hmm. too, and we'll hear from her a little bit later as well. <laughs> and speaking of the education, uh, Katie went to Wayman Mary right. undergrad with <laughs> as I did, although she was she was much later in time mm-hmm. um, than I was. But that was an, an excellent foundation, and. Um, Basically, I, I think it might have helped too, that you learned that I was an aerobic instructor correct. and and a and a fellow cyclist.
2: Yes. and because you were active and you're you know active every day in your life, you try to stay healthy and and in fitness, um you know, you want to take care of your body. So you understand what it takes to actually go through your work day with your body maybe hurting or aching or actually having an injury like I did. So that was important. And I think a
1: lot of times in picking an attorney, having a certain um, sense of community, uh, common interests, both being business owners. Mm -hmm. I think the female aspect of being injured when women tend to have a lot of uh, nurturing uh, aspects, uh, more emotional aspects, more multitasking aspects. So all of those things also factor in into having some sort of empathy. Right.
2: Yeah, you know, it just kind of goes back for me for that emotional intelligence of where you were when I first met you. And, you know, with that in the academic and then how you have given back to the community, not just in the law area, but just in overall how you've given back to the community. Because I feel like we all should be doing that every day anyway. So when I read all that stuff that, you know, that your resume presents, it was, I already felt like I had a connection before I went in there. But then once I had met you and I had met Katie and, we had talked and stuff. I just, I just had this feeling, a piece that came over me that just was like, okay, this is where I need to be. These are the people that are going to help me, you know. So, well,
1: I'm really glad you found us because <laughs> you've actually helped me learn a lot about what it's like to be a plaintiff. Yeah. Um So let's talk a little bit about that okay. because um, we do this, you know, Katie and my team. We we do these cases, and I've done these cases on both sides of the fence for 30 years but actually uh, understanding a little bit more about what it's like to be the client going through the process. So let's talk a little bit about what went as you expected and what did not go as you (laughs) expected or or was more surprising to you.
2: Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me the most was the amount of time it took for everything to sort of get in place and then to unfold. Um, cause you know, you see it on TV and you think, oh, or your friends have said, oh, I was in a personal injury, it, you know, took about a month and you know, three years later, we're still trying to get my case pulled together because I had to get to a point where I had physically healed, um, and that the doctor felt comfortable saying that I was healed. And so it was a process. And so it was, um, something that I definitely didn't expect as far as the time, um, and the amount of effort that everybody had to put into it, not just me, but, um, you know, you and your team had to put into just getting us to a point where we were ready to say, okay, now we've got a case.
1: Well, and your family too, your husband, Michael, I
2: mean, they all had to rise to the occasion, do
1: the housework, et cetera.
2: Yeah. So it was definitely, you know, yeah, everybody had to chip in and it was, um, sort of a shift in, you know, mom can't take care of everybody anymore. And even at work, you know, my clients were so great because I'd be like, usually I'd go over and get that 10 pound medicine ball and give it to them. But now, I was like, well, a little bit of extra, you know, we're going to have you go get that 10-pound ball. And so I just had to sort of think about life a little bit differently and how, um, you know, how could we continue to achieve what we needed to in a different way? Yeah,
1: I think sometimes, especially with the larger cases, the the more severe the injury like yours was, uh, it's going to take a longer period to, to heal. And we always tell the client, hey, we can't even start to, to claim package your case or try to settle it until you get to the point of of maximum uh, medical improvement or or maximum recovery or to to a baseline where it doesn't look like you're gonna improve anymore. And with a much more severe injury like you had, especially with two surgeries, Uh, getting to that point clearly was going to take some time to get there and then what we find is that the larger the case the harder it is to get the case resolved short of taking it to trial or almost to trial and in your case we pretty much were within a day or two of of trial before the case finally eventually resolved. Right. So let's talk about what went as you anticipated it would go. What were the things that, that kind of fell into place the way that you anticipated they would? Um,
2: Definitely the teamwork and the communication um, definitely fell into place the way I expected it to. I mean, I could call Katie five minutes to five on Friday night and she was, you know, still there to answer my questions um, to kind of help calm me down a little bit if I was nervous or excited or didn't really understand, even though you know I may have gotten three different things as far as communication on the issue I may still not have understood or I still had some doubt about it that you know it was you guys were there to help me and to help calm me down and be like it's gonna be okay we just just trust the process and that's what I tell my clients all the time just stay the road trust the process it's gonna happen you're gonna get stronger you're gonna lose the weight you know whatever but you've got to trust that process and it for me to be on the other side of that, that was really hard. Yeah,
1: you were you were good there. You'd always refer to Katie as your prob- as the
2: problem That's child, the right, problem child. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and she, but she was always great about you know say Lisa, it's going to be okay. This is what we're doing. This is where we've been. You know, and so I had to get to a point, probably about halfway through, where I had to just say, okay, I've got to focus on moving forward with this and don't look back. Just think about how far I've come, how far we've gotten this, and you know, you always think you can heal a lot faster than you do. Because right. we all heal at different sort of levels. And, and, you know, one surgery to heal from is one thing, but another one that you have 10 days later, the same thing. it's That's a lot different. And I think in my head, I just didn't think that it was going to take me that long.
1: Right. The other thing is... Um you know you had, as part of starting believe fitness, you had uh, undergone a, a pretty good weight loss and worked hard to get there. Right. And that was another component of the case was that with with the surgery and with not being able to be as active, then that weight started to creep back on again. right and i and I know that was a really frustrating aspect of the injury, right. And we see that with quite a number of of clients when they are injured. Um, it's another compounding factor. Right. Um. And but you working with folks, trying to get them into better health and better fitness, um, that was something that was right on the top of of your mind. Right. Um. Top of my mind too, in terms of of rooting you on yeah. to get better. <laughs> I know. Well, it is hard because
2: you know I had to go into the space that I've created at Believe Fitness. I try to always focus on the positive, allow people to be their real selves, keep all their worries at the door um and let's you know just get it done let's be the real us be the best we can be every day and so i try to strive every day to help the clients be that way but then for myself to talk myself into that and be on the other side of okay you know you may feel your arm may hurt today or oh i just don't look like i want to look or you know gosh i've put 10 pounds back on this is terrible you know how am i going to get this 10 pounds off because i know how hard it was to lose all that weight in the beginning so it was hard for me being on the opposite side of that but it also sort of made me become a little bit more humble and just be like wow like okay i'm going back through this again with with my clients which is kind of cool yeah it was t- tough
1: lessons in life that we learn but right. we made, they all make us a little bit more mm-hmm. humble yeah, yeah. so we basically talked about how we couldn't even try to settle your case until you got to the point of maximum medical improvement, and so we've got to wait that long period of time until the client um, really gets healed as best they're going to get healed. Right, and then at that point we try to resolve the case. And at our firm, we claim package it, and we give the insurance company thirty days. And if if we are if we're not having substantive negotiations right then we go ahead and we file the suit in your case we had to go ahead and get that suit filed and and move it forward toward a trial date so let's talk about that process a little bit um, a lot of cases do resolve at the claim package stage and not everybody gets to the point where where you got um, but we got to the point where we had to do some uh, written discovery responses And I'll let uh, you and Katie talk a little bit later about uh, that process. But after we went through the kind of the production of documents and written discovery, we got to the deposition stage. So let's talk about what was it like to undergo a deposition?
2: Um, You know, it's funny because you see it on TV and you think, okay, in your mind, okay, this is how it's going to go. This is what it's going to be like. And that's totally different than what reality was um and i remember you telling me lisa just you know be yourself be calm be honest and just take a breath before every answer and so that's what i try i tried to listen intently to the question so that i would make sure that before i answered i understood exactly what they were asking and no more and that you know i think for women or being in business for yourself i talk all the time and i love to talk so it was that was hard because i there were times I would have to really hold back because I'd want to give more information than what the question actually was. Right, right. So, so that was great advice from you to just take a breath, listen to what the question is, and then answer only the question.
1: Yeah, I'm always, I always say, make that attorney ask the right questions and right. work for your answer. And we want that deposition to be as
2: small as possible. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that was hard, but in you know having you guys, having the team there with me was great because it was I knew that. If I got to a point where I was going to struggle or I didn't know how to answer or I didn't understand the question, I knew that the team was right there to help me to to process that through so that I could give the answer that was needed.
1: Well, you're as honest as the day is long and you can't get in trouble in a deposition if, uh, if you're just... A basically polite and honest right. person yeah. you know so all those other rules that that we say that are you know watch the double negatives and right uh, you know <laughs> basically listen to my objections uh, all of those things can be thrown out the window sometimes if you're just basically a polite honest person right
2: and I you know I feel like you might as well be honest because I, it's way too hard not to be because I would never remember all that stuff that I would have told you so if I'm honest then that's just that's just the Best way to go so
1: we talked about that we're going to take a break here briefly but we talked about uh, how it's unfortunate in the honest cases that there are so many people out there that bring dishonest personal injury cases and that it means that sometimes cases go on longer um, before they resolve because the attorney on the other side and I, I did insurance defense for 10 years is, is trying to figure out is is this a legitimate injury is this a legitimate plaintiff Um, or is it one where they actually have you know faked the injury and uh, I told you uh, the one about where the client had slipped and fallen and I basically ended up finding out that this brilliant bruise that was depicted in the photographs of her back turned out to be painted by a makeup artist right you know and so it's folks like that that cause personal injury plaintiffs to sometimes have uh, more suspicion cast upon
2: them yes i agree
1: so we're going to take a break here and we'll be right back all right thanks We are back to Raising the Bar Legal Talk radio show. This is Colleen Quinn of Locke and Quinn, and I am today's host and producer. I am talking to my client, Lisa Walker, about what her experience has been like to be a personal injury client throughout a pretty bad injury that involved two shoulder surgeries, um, which was created by her just sitting, having lunch with her family, and a busser moving a little too fast with a bus pan, and as, as we discovered in the case, the busser moved wicked fast, as mm-hmm. she handwrote in her own writing um, on the, uh, the injury report that uh, she was moving wicked fast when she whacked into uh, Lisa with a pretty full bus pan, causing a labrum tear in her shoulder. So we were talking about what it was like to go through a personal injury case and be a personal injury plaintiff. And joining us now is my paralegal, Katie Obermiller. And Lisa and Katie are going to talk a little bit about what it is like to go through what we call the written discovery process. So in a in any uh, litigation case, there are written uh, requests that go back and forth between the plaintiff and the defense, which um, are called funny things like interrogatories, which is just a really fancy term for written questions. And then there's also request for production of documents, which is a request for any documents that the other side might have that are relevant to the case. And then there also is something called request for admissions, which are basically admit this, admit that, admit that the busser was moving wicked fast. (laughs) So that would be another thing. Um, So Katie, why don't you, you tell us a little bit about because you do a lot of the um, the the development of the answers to those written questions, the the funny word interrogatories. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that process and working with Lisa?
0: Sure. Um, well, it's it's a process that really requires a lot of contact between myself and the client um, with Lisa. I usually, once we get them, I'll usually contact the client and let them know, hey, we need to set aside some time. Either you can come into the office or we can do it over phone, um, but we're going to have to go through a lot of questions and while we may have already gathered a lot of the information to answer them, I always find it's better to double check that information with the client because there may be things that they remember now that they didn't remember when they first came in at the intake um, and also a lot of clients don't realize how in-depth some of the discovery or interrogatory questions can be. Um, and and that was, I think, one thing that I do remember with Lisa is going through the questions and her asking, why is this relevant, you know, when they want to know about a car accident 10, 15 years ago?
2: Right. That was hard. The questions, too, I felt like, you know, once you got through uh, 10 of them or so, it was like they are starting to ask you the same thing again, but just in a different way. And... um Some of them were things that I just didn't even, I didn't understand why that was important because it really had nothing to do with my shoulder and the injury and what I had sustained since then. So it was hard for me to comprehend why would they want all this information in the beginning. Right. Now I I understand why they do, but but you were great to work with because you made it so simple and then, you know, you would add that little bit of humor in there with it so we could laugh about (laughs) it. So that made me feel a lot more at ease as we were answering them so I didn't have to feel like... If I didn't give the, ex- you know, 100% exact answer or if I later down the road, if some of the medical things came back from 15 years ago, I mean, heck, I can't even remember what I did last week, much less 15 years ago, so that I could then start to think of maybe what had happened and we could talk about it and then I, I could come through the process to, to maybe change that answer a slightly, but just to make it sound better, so... So it's
1: really an intrusive process. A lot of people don't realize that your life story becomes an open book and, you know, the other side is going to want to know about every other accident you've had, every other injury you've had, any pre-existing problems that you had, um, all of the medical providers that you've had in the past 10 to 15 years, any claims that you've made in the last 10 to 15 years, um, all of those things suddenly become on the table and eligible for
2: consideration and it does seem to be pretty intrusive doesn't it it does it, even when they started to go back you know I'm older so they asked me questions about high school about playing basketball and softball and did you know this and that and I'm thinking what that's been like 30 some years ago why do we need to go back to that point but they really were searching and fishing for whatever they could find yep. in order to to see that I had had maybe some type of a prior injury that could have made this maybe not all um the restaurant's fault right Mm -hmm. so
1: let's talk a little bit about the trial preparation um including with your family we met with your daughters and your husband to go over what happened right um how was that process for you
2: um it was um good you know there's um three children they're all um, adults and so trying to get everybody scheduled to get there at the same time was a little bit of a challenge um and um so for me having them there and for you guys asking them the questions it was really hard to sit there and listen to them because it was like i was revisiting the accident and that day but through their eyes not through what i felt and what i believed to be true but through them and it was really emotional for me because you know you don't really talk to your kids about even as adults you know about your injuries or how they saw it and how they feel it must have affected you and so You know it was definitely very hard to sit there that entire time but um but to listen to all of them they all had a different perception of how it all went down that day but at the end it was all it all came back to the same thing right
1: you touched upon a point that a lot of folks don't realize and that is as long as the litigation is going on you're still kind of reliving this accident and that uh, initial injury Um, So a lot of times we'll tell clients, look at we really want to resolve this case because we we really want to get some closure. Um, That's really important is to, to be able to reach the point of closure. Right. So in your case, we, we attempted mediation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Why don't you talk a little bit about (laughs) your frustration with that process?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, once again, you know, all only knowledge I had was by watching TV shows. And I do like watching like law and order and all these shows that you think, you know, it just goes so smoothly. It's no big deal. And, um, you know, you have to, I, as being a small business owner, I had to cancel my clients that day, which, you know, for me, that's hard because I enjoy what I do. I love seeing my clients. Um, and so I had to sit there and when, you know, we have a little conversation at the beginning and then everybody goes their to their separate little rooms their separate little, you know, tents for their team. And we start going back and forth. And the first offer that comes, you're like, are, are you kidding me? Like, no, like that won't even cover what my co-pays were, you know. And so it's. It's where you have to step back and say, okay, this is what their job is. They're trying to do the best for their client and it's not a personal attack on Lisa. It's, that's okay. So just relax and just keep reminding yourself it's not personal. They're just trying to do their job. And, um, and it was frustrating because we couldn't come to a resolution by the end of the day. And I think even the other side understood and knew that we needed to resolve this because going to trial wasn't going to be um, maybe easier or positive for them um, because I feel like the case was strong because I am honest. And um, if we could have resolved it that day, you know, there would have been money saved, time, effort, Mm -hmm. everything. And um, because we had to prepare for trial, it ended up costing, you know, us, me, more money and, um, you know, and a lot of effort for nothing. I don't think um,
1: a lot of times jurors and um, folks that are injured in cases always realize how much money gets spent to take a case to trial. And in your case, we had the mediation. So, of course, we had the cost of the, split the cost of the mediator. Right. Um, and that was, you know, several hundred an hour for a day's mm-hmm. worth. And then of course, as we got closer to trial, we prepared the medical illustrations so that we had medical illustrations so the jury could understand what your surgeries look like. And of course, that was again, another $4,000 or so. Um, And then of course your doctor who's an orthopedic surgeon uh, we really wanted to have him live at trial, right. um, and he had moved to another state. I know <laughs> so so, in order to uh, secure him for trial, that was another ten thousand dollars right um, and all of that could have been avoided had we uh, the additional costs toward trial could have been avoided had we resolved the case at mediation. So I know that was another real sense of frustration. It was all of that ended up coming out of the settlement, which was money that could otherwise have
2: gone to your daughter's education That's or something. Right? Else. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, that was a very frustrating day because you kind of walk away, kind of you know, in a hopeless state. Like, okay, wow, like we were here all day and we can't even come together as two different sides, but understanding what the common goal is, and that's to settle this so that, we, you know, which was going to be better for everybody. And we couldn't get to that. Like, we couldn't resolve that. That was definitely, like, I left out of there thinking, wow, like, okay, now we're going to have to go to trial, and that's going to be a lot. You know, we've got a lot to do in 10 days, and then you need to keep your business going. I need to keep my business going, and then add in all this extra effort. Right. So
1: on the larger personal injury cases, it easily, easily, anywhere from, you know, 10 to Forty thousand can be spent just in taking the case to trial. That's not the attorney time. Right. That's you know the, the cost of the medical illustrations and the expert witnesses um, and the subpoenas and everything else that has to be paid in order to take that case to trial. Right.
0: And that's not including the costs that you've already had to pay out.
1: Right, all the advance costs that have been right, made leading throughout, leading up to, leading that. Up to mm-hmm. that point to get the medical records and the police report, all of the... Depositions. All, right, if you have an investigator uh, do any investigation, the cost of the court reporters for the depositions, mm-hmm. that's a good point, Katie. So, and in the medical malpractice cases, those cases, the advance costs are, are much, much bigger because, of course, now you have to have your expert witnesses involved early on in the case, right. et cetera. So... Um, In your case, uh, Lisa, we also had um, an issue with with liens, with a lien that you had on your case, which is another area that oftentimes folks don't recognize um, as a large piece of a personal injury case. So why don't you talk a little bit about the lien in your case and and what was surprising (laughs) about that?
2: Yeah. So um, because I uh, originally ran all of my um, doctor's appointments, physical therapy, all through my health insurance that I currently had. Um they uh initially had sent me some forms asking if this was an injury um that I had sustained somewhere um and I I guess that they got that information from the doctor from when I had said hey you know yeah. I was injured in a restaurant and so they sent me this form so that that would have started the process of them knowing that it's a possibility this person may hire an attorney and may get some money from this so we need to make sure that you know we get our money back and so The health insurance company put a pretty hefty lien, I felt like, um, on me um, in case this case did settle for a large dollar figure that they were going to make sure they um, got their money back.
1: Right. So in your case, we had um, an ERISA lien and basically it's a, a federal plan. And there's a U.S. Supreme Court case, McCutcheon case, that basically says that if the language is really tight in your insurance plan, that there will be no offset for any attorney fees or costs, and you own the you owe the full lien back. Uh, that that will be binding on you as a policyholder. And so when we reviewed that plan, you unfortunately had that airtight language. Yes, there. Which leaves really little room to try to negotiate with the um, insurance company that wants to be paid back um, everything that it's paid toward your medical bills. Right. Um, we we do have a little bit of leverage because I can say, "Ha ha, we've got the money. <laughs> Come and get it." Yeah. You
2: know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Come fight us for I it. I know. But you know, and two, I was thankful I had the medical insurance because if I wouldn't have had the medical insurance, I don't know how I would have made it through those three years because I had to put all that money just for co-pays up front what would i have done if i didn't have health insurance and i would have had to pay full cost all the way through right let's, so let's, that's good that i had the insurance but then on the back side i was like well you wouldn't even be getting any of this lean money if i didn't hire an attorney so it was like can't you work with us can't you you know negotiate a little bit but there was definitely no room for wiggle room on that thing
1: yeah we were able to get some reduction with the uh- come get your money, go hire an attorney to (laughs) to do
2: it. So there's a little bit of
1: wiggle room there, but you would certainly think that uh, there would be an offset because you're the one that went and hired the attorney and they wouldn't get their money back, but for the efforts that you made, right? you know, in that regard. So that leads to another um, aspect of the case. And that is in these injury cases, you're, you've endured an injury um, and you're also out of work and in your case, you did have the health insurance, but in many cases, folks don't have the health insurance. So, there for you, for the the work side, because you run your own business, was a real financial hardship, not just in terms of deductibles and copays, but also being out of work for that time period.
2: That's correct. Yeah, yeah. and that was hard because I, you know, as a small business owner, you try to budget at the beginning of the year what you foresee your expenses are going to be and sort of where you need to be, um, financially and I really had not budgeted for this at all. So, um, And one surgery, that would have been one thing because that was 10 days. But then to add another surgery in another 10 days and then just not having the energy to get up and get dressed because you can't dress yourself after you've had surgery like this. And so you need help doing everything. And so um, really at the beginning I had to go back part time and so which clients can I see on which days and how can I make sure I at least see everybody once a week and. And you verbally coached a lot of them. I did yeah. i did which was hard because i loved i lo- i learned from from watching other people or for somebody demonstrating so for me that's how i sort of teach us to demonstrate and so i couldn't because there was just no way i mean even walking on a treadmill would have been a challenge because it hurt the arm so the movement yeah
1: so a lot of our clients that don't have health insurance um, and they're out of work it's a, almost like a a triple whammy, they've got the injury, Mm -hmm. they don't have coverage for their medical bills, um, and they're also out of work during that time period. Your case was a little bit different too, in, in many cases where the person is just getting a paycheck we can claim that this is their lost time from work. This is their hourly rate. It's much easier to show right. the, the, the loss there. In your case, because you owned your own business um, and because it was a relatively new business, right? it was harder to be able to prove your losses. So why don't you talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that and some of the frustration <laughs> in, in trying to show your financial losses from the business? Right,
2: yeah, because Katie and I talked a lot about this <laughs> and I was like, oh, what am I gonna do? Like, how am I gonna show this? I mean, you know, clients come in. I mean, and honestly, thankfully, I was very successful in the beginning of my business. And I did have a lot of clients and I was making a good income. But then to have to go and show that, you know, tax returns aren't going to show what your business is really in the first few years because you're not going to be showing that you make a lot of money. But yet I was getting in a lot of income. So to have to go back and try and figure out, okay, this client would have been here on this day and this one and then. So then Katie and I came up with this thing that we would just type up a little paragraph and we would list the dates that the client should have been there, what their um, cost for their session was, and then what the grand total was, and then they signed it. And so that took a lot of time and effort because, you know, some, some of my the, clients some of weren't cl- yeah, were no
0: longer clients right, anymore.
2: Right, exactly. And, and some of my, you know, ones that are elderly, mm-hmm. um, you know, they may not have been at a point in capacity that they could have remembered. And so for me to ask them, honestly, to sign something that they can't remember, I couldn't in good faith ask them to do that. So it was a challenge and it was a lot of effort. I mean, in hours and hours. And I thought, this is crazy. Well, we were really fortunate in your case because you had
1: very good detailed records about uh, which clients had canceled appointments or which actually which clients you had to cancel the appointments um, because you couldn't do the appointment because you were incapacitated and also you had records of the clients that you had lost um, because you were no no longer able to, to service them during that time period that you were incapacitated. Um, and so we were able to build, although it took a lot of effort on your part, a lot of time, a lot of going back and combing through, Mm uh, your records, but we were able to at least show that there were specific uh appointments that you would have been able to have had and and made that income from right but for the injury right yeah and that's um in some of the cases we have we don't have clients that are as organized as you <laughs> <Yeah>. are lisa <laughs> you know and two
2: i think one of the things that was frustrating was that i could i could claim katie kept saying you can claim what you had to cancel <laughs> but the clients and a lot of times because i guess maybe i'm a woman maybe it's because i I love what I do and I enjoy seeing each client that if I had physical therapy, I would move their appointment, which then, you know, I was even more exhausted, which then by the time I got home to be that mother and that wife, it took away from that. And so that part, it was like, yeah, but I moved them from their original time. Don't I get to claim that? She's like, yeah, no, (laughs) that's (laughs) a no. And I'm like, but. I, didn't want, I, I really couldn't cancel them because I didn't want to lose more clients. But So it's like you're just in this little rabbit wheel and you're just going around and around. And it's like, really? And you're more exhausted at the end of the evening because right. you've overexerted yourself. Exactly. And yeah. so the recovery time takes longer right. when you get like that because you can't really ever get enough rest in order for that part of the body to heal. And we have the same issue with clients
1: that receive a paycheck that if they just flex their hours rather than take nice. sick leave, mm-hmm. we have to tell them, sorry but you flex your hours we can't claim it you still got the time in
2: and it's crazy that was definitely one of those moments that i was like um wait a minute i don't understand that because that doesn't make any sense to me because i'm the one that had the injury i'm the one that went through this but now i'm having to like that's not right for me like how is that possible (laughs) right now you're having to overexert yourself you're having to go to the physical therapy you're having to
1: now reschedule later hours longer hours Mm -hmm. and then you'd fall in You come home and you're basically telling your husband, Michael, I can't lift a thing. I'm exhausted. Exactly. You're in charge of dinner. You're in charge
2: of the laundry. You're in charge of everything. Where are my ice packs? That's basically what I do. You know, and then our youngest was still at home and she played basketball. And of course, I'd want to go watch her her play. And it was hard because I was so tired. Right. But it was like, you know, you have to still be that mom. And so, but that doesn't go into that formula. Because I think too, there's no formula or tool for a personal injury. Like that's the whole thing that people, I don't think, really understand. There's You can't measure somebody's personal injury and it's, how it affects them.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it takes a lot of work to be able to put a case on at trial to really be able to show the jury what that person has gone through. And as you saw when we met with your family members, a, a, had we gone to trial on your case, um, much of your case would have been shown through your family's eyes in terms of- right of them watching you and the, the things that they uh, needed to do to assist you. So we settled your case. Um, I believe our the case was set to go to trial on a Tuesday right. and we settled it Sunday night. That's
2: right. <laughs> um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, how that felt? Um, it was definitely um, a mixed bag of emotions. I think, um, you know, I was glad that it was over. I was glad that the settlement had come through, um, that we had, um, that we you know, you guys had worked so hard to get us to this point and that we were able to get a number that we could agree on. Um, But then, you know, there's always that 10% in the back of your head like, well, if we would have gone to trial, could we have gotten more, you know, or could the jury have seen exactly more about what I went through or would they have understood? But then you got the other little 10% saying, well, they might not have seen it the way you see it. And so it was a real bag of emotions of, you know, being highs and lows but at the end of the day, it was done. Right. And it was over. And so I could put it to bed. It was closed up. This is it. We're done. Now I can move forward. And now it I can. Had st- it's
1: some sense of relief, but some sense of what if? Yes. You know? <laughs>
2: right. And I think we're all that way. You know, what if we won the lottery tomorrow? What would we do? I mean, I think we all dream that way. Like what if things would have gone differently? And so but it is good to have it done, closed, over. And you don't have to go through the emotional part of a trial. Because I was already reliving it all the time. And and when the family met with you, I really had to relive it and through their eyes. And that was hard enough emotionally for me to sit there and not become emotional that I'm not sure how I would have done at trial. I don't know how I would have been able to maintain my composure when my husband and children would have talked about what they saw. Right.
1: That leads to another aspect of of trial um, and the deposition, actually, is that um, many... uh, plaintiffs feel under attack, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I know one of the issues that came up in your case was, uh, was there any issue of contributory negligence? Like, should you have had your chair more angled to the table and not, you know, turned slightly askew, Um, which was ridiculous because you were sitting stationary and and the busser was moving and, you know, should have seen you there and not plowed into you, basically. Um, but then you there also was uh, the issue of whether you had any pre-existing degeneration in your shoulder, and there was some. And, and the older we get, we all have it in right. in our body. Um, but uh, how is that 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 feeling of kind of uh, of being under scrutiny in terms of your actions or you know
2: your pre-existing condition? Right. Um,
1: how did how did that feel?
2: Um- you know it was it was definitely hard because it's definitely personal you're definitely um i felt like okay you're not in my body you're not feeling what i feel and i understand what the words are saying on the paper but there's the emotional part of it and the part that you can't really put that price tag on of what you're having to deal with not just physically but emotionally and spiritually to just get yourself back to zero or ground level kind of thing and Um, you know it was hard for me to sit there and listen to them saying well you know your body's got degeneration here and here and here and you know you've got this issue and this issue and I'm like but that doesn't really have anything to do with my shoulder you know my shoulder really had never had any issues and I was very strong in my upper body and um, until this happened and so you know and Dr. Higgs was great about sort of calming me down on that because he said Lisa you know a lot of times your body can have a lot of degeneration in a joint or you can have a lot of arthritis but it's not until that trauma hits it that that body part says, that's it, we're done, we can't stand it anymore. And that's sort of what I had to keep going back to in my mind, that even if they didn't understand it, it was okay. right? And I each knew.
0: person's health is so personal to yourself. Right. So having someone who's never treated you, never seen you, right. tell you, here's what's wrong and here's, right." you should have been fine back then. Right.
2: Like what well, the other side said that I had a sprain or a strain and I'm like, Yeah. I wish I would have because that would have been awesome. I could have recovered easier.
1: So we just have a a minute or two left, but that was one other aspect I wanted to hit upon, and that's the defense medical exam. Now, in your case, the defense doctor didn't even examine you. Correct. But wrote an opinion as to what he thought your injury was. Um, How did you feel when you read that (laughs)
2: report? Uh, It was very hard to stay positive as I read through that um, and not get just upset about it because I thought, You've never talked to me, you didn't ask me any questions, but yet you've got an opinion and a very pretty strong forward type of opinion about me and about my injury, but you've not even asked me one question.
1: Right. Didn't see you, didn't examine you. In <laughs> fact, in the report said you fell out of a chair and didn't That's even right. understand th- how the injury actually right. happened. So
2: obviously he didn't prepare himself as well reading the notes of you know what he was supposed to be from my medical file. Because right. if he did, he would have known that I didn't fall out of a chair. Exactly. So yeah. it made it hard. It was... It was definitely a personal attack i felt like so i think throughout
1: this whole process one thing you had to do was really try to tell yourself not to take it
2: personally is that the case that's correct and just stay focused on the positive and just look for all the good and everything thank you
1: so much for joining us today for raising the bar the law talk radio show thanks very much to my client lisa walker for sharing her story with with us, and uh, we will be back next Wednesday at 9 a.m. to feature another legal topic.